Welcome to Calvary Baptist Edmonton Podcast. My name is Matt, and I will be your host. In today's episode, we will be focusing on the Hub Book series. The book we are reading is called This Too Shall Last by K.J. Ramsey. Chapter 4 we're going to be looking at today, and it's all about emotion and related to pain and suffering. When we have a painful situation that we are dealing with, and we decide that we are going to approach it, I believe there are two thoughts that come to everyone's minds related to this pain. The first one is that you could possibly be worried of all the different thoughts and feelings that you could be flooded with. And secondly, I think we think about the pain and the suffering that we are a part of as how are we going to deal with it? We think of it actually as a problem. And so then emotions becomes a problem to be solved. And I want to encourage you to think about emotions maybe in a different way. Uh, K.J. Ramsey talks about emotions uh, in this new way that I want you to be thinking about. She says this, Whether you consider yourself an emotional person or not, emotions fuel your life. Rather than a thing to be bewildered by or ashamed of, emotions is the spark God created to most move you towards himself. Wow, that's such a great challenge to think of emotion as a spark that God has created in you to move you towards him. And as we go through this interview with Janelle, I want you to be thinking about emotion in this new way. Janelle is a licensed counselor. She is such a warm person to be around. I've had some conversations with her and also this past conversation in this interview. And she is someone that I could just sit with for a long period of time and just talk about any aspect of my life. She is a very safe person. And so I'm excited for you to hear her and hear her thoughts on emotion. So let's uh, jump into this interview with Janelle right now. Well, I want to welcome you, uh, Janelle, to our uh, Calvary um, podcast, and we're going to be discussing today about um, emotion and suffering. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on here to talk about such an important topic. I wanted to just mention to our listeners, um, before we go too far here, just a little bit of the background information on myself and you and how Mm -hmm. we've uh, connected. And so uh, with my role at the church, Mm -hmm. I've had some opportunity to make some new connections uh, for our community. And so um, Wellwood Counseling that you are a part of are one of those new connections. So I know with Wellwood has done in the past some, uh, I know you did actually, a mm-hmm. uh, session or workshop on anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a year or so ago. And also I know uh, your co-worker, Ben, did mm-hmm. a workshop on in our children. And I think it's about anxiety too. I think we did a cool relationship for us to mm-hmm. to kind of keep uh, journeying together and learning and having you guys as a resource. So just a background information for our listeners on you and I. So that's great. Yeah. I thought maybe too, you could just give a little bit of information about who you are. Sure. So like Matt, Matt said, I'm Janelle Drisner. I'm a psychotherapist with Wellwood Counseling. And I co-own that private practice with Ben Bentham, who's a psychologist there. 
And him and I teamed up to work together to develop uh, this counseling practice so that we can serve members of our community. We're located in the Highlands area, so it's a pretty cool area. So if you ever want to say hi, we're over there. Um, but yeah, just to, before I even go into myself, I want to say that it is really cool to have a relationship with Calvary because um, both Ben and I feel passionate about bridging the connection between psychological and spiritual communities. And then I think that we do better together and we can help inform one another and working ultimately to support the, the people in the communities that we serve. So it's been wonderful for us to have this relationship with you. Okay. A little bit about, mm-hmm. about me and my interests. Um, that's, you've caught me. That's hard for me and my interests. I'm like, "Hmm, this is the realization that I, I, I work a lot, which is my interest. So I counsel for private practice. I also counsel for a community agency, um, the Edmonton Mennonite center for newcomers working with immigrant families. Um, I'm also another co-host on a podcast called the existentialist. So we have fun talking about actually, you know, demystifying existential philosophy and talking about um, how existential topics actually play through in our day-to-day lives. And so if you've ever said I have an existential crisis, maybe you want to check us out. We probably talked about it. I also live in Edmonton with my husband and we have a cat and I'm pretty obsessed. I'm totally comfortable with being known as a crazy cat lady. <laughs> um, and that's all right with me. Um, I also am studying herbalism right now as well, because I would like to learn a lot more. I'm very interested in nature and our relationship to um, our climate and our environment and how that impacts our mental health. So I'm studying, you know, the local plant life in Edmonton and discovering some of the, what are, what are the things that we have right in our backyard that can actually help alleviate some of the, you know, digestive issues or, you know, like skin rashes and things like that. So Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of fun to explore like, oh, this is the wild side of nature that's right outside mm. my window. So it's been fun. That's cool. That's yeah. so good to hear of all of the um, the things that make who you are. And uh, it's exciting to hear, like you said, to hear that you uh, live so close to us and and, uh, and hopefully we can uh, continue to keep um, growing together in relationship yeah. Calvary and uh, with Wellwood and you. So that's great. Absolutely. Um, I think the, the, the interesting part or... I think it's interesting and why I asked you is that I know within your counseling, and you've mentioned this to me, is that you specifically focus on emotion Mm -hmm. uh, being a part of your counseling process. And so uh, within talking today about emotion and suffering, um, I felt like let's talk to someone who does that. So that's why uh, I've asked you to come and be a part of this conversation. So I'm excited to to have an expert uh, Mm. on this area. So thank you. Yeah. Within Calvary, we're we're talking about um, a book we've been going through uh, by Jake or KJ Ramsey called "This Too Shall Last," and uh, in this chapter, chapter four is about emotion. And so, uh, one of the the questions she asks, kind of right off the top within the chapter, uh, Ramsey suggests that out of our fear of suffering, it's keeping us from living. And so mm-hmm. I want to kind of throw that to you and, and ask you, to, what do you think about uh, what Ramsey says here about uh, the fear of suffering that's keeping us away from living? Yeah, that's a profound statement. And I certainly do agree with that. That when we use the language of, you know, two sides of the coin to admit that there's one side of the coin we like more than the other, um, 
is is basically what this statement is saying in terms of um, we like to look at life. A lot of us like to look at life. We like to feel good. We want our dreams to come true. We want to meet our goals. We want to have us a, um, a secure life path and uh, belong to a community. And that feels good when things go well. And we enjoy feelings like joy, happiness, peace. And we often will then avoid suffering the other side of the coin, which is that actually life does involve loss and disappointment mm. and, and endings of relationships. Mm. Um, specifically, uh, well, would both Ben and I have done research in the area of grief and bereavement. And something that people are often unfamiliar with is not only do we feel grief for death-related losses, mm. but also non-death losses. Mm. And life transitions, um, endings of, you know, leaving communities that you were once a part of because it no longer fits or things changed or, you know, changing jobs or even moving mm. houses or, yeah. you know, all of these, sometimes even the changes are positive, but there's usually losses or endings mm. to a certain mm -hmm. extent, and we can still feel grief. Mm -hmm. And so some people in these situations experience discomfort, but don't really know why and, and, mm -hmm. and don't know how to sink into it. Um, so I like that she talks about our fear of suffering, keeping us from living because from a psychological um, perspective, particularly my roots in existential therapy, we would say that in order to live a fulfilled life, we need to be able to say, Yes, I like life. And, but part of liking life is being able to come to a place where we can endure and deal with and respond to the disappointments and the losses that will come for all of us to different extents. And when we can't, when we say no to grieving those losses, um, things like depression can arise, a numbness or cutting us off from feeling. And for those people who suffer from depression, they'll also say that, you know, that numbness keeps me from feeling like really, really low, but it also mm. keeps me from feeling joy. I don't feel joy. I just mm. feel kind of numb. So if we want to live a fulfilled, full life of, with vitality, that also means embracing the disappointments and the pain with the highs and we don't need to be afraid of loss. We just need to learn how to hold space for it and, and how to metabolize it when we actually mm. feel it coming up in our bodies. There's a lot of really cool things that uh, you've been mentioning that has been really just triggering off mm. uh, different thoughts as you're saying that. And, and I think if even, can I kind of go back to the beginning when you're talking about grief? I almost wonder if we, if we have just put grief in this box maybe for like, well, when someone passes away, well, we I can enter into that maybe. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think it's interesting how I think we're being forced to um, look at grief a little more differently or maybe more head on because of maybe the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I think totally. of, um, of a lot of the like uh, Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. uh, stuff that's coming up um, with our Indigenous people. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of hot topics. And I feel like within the hot topics that we're dealing with, there's a lot of grief. And I think mm -hmm. we're being, we're, we have to, I think we're being forced to look at that um, mm -hmm. and maybe take grief out of maybe the box, maybe when we had, where we had it, when things were quote unquote normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
Completely. I, there is so much loss, especially in 2020, that has occurred for people. And for un, really tragically, that has included death loss from yeah. COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, also all the non-death losses of things that we've just been cut off from, like our lives have come to a halt or or people have lost uh, people have lost freedom. I mean, that's a that's a huge thing, and it sh- certainly has stirred up the ways that people are oppressed and never had the same quality mm-hmm. or level of freedom as other people. And that's pain- that is very painful. And it's ultimately learning how to be together. Um, I mean, this year how to be together in a pressure cooker. Yeah, totally. And uncomfortable. Like if yeah. you go to the grocery store, I don't yeah. know if you've noticed this, but people seem edgy you know, mm-hmm. angsty. And there's just yeah. like, oh, people are closer to snapping than normal. Yeah. At least it's been my experience. And I think because we haven't created containment. So it's, it's interesting mm-hmm. that you've talked about, you know, bringing grief out of the box. We certainly don't want it in a box shoved away mm-hmm. in a corner, Yeah, but we do need to provide a container mm-hmm. for grief. And um, that's something I think for all emotion that we can apply to is, and what I mean by containment is, to provide a specific, um, we can call it like safe space or sacred space to feel what we're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that containment also involves providing a certain level of nurturance and care to ourselves. So, you know, maybe being, if I use a grocery store, so I'll use it again, mm-hmm. maybe standing yeah. in line at the grocery store when you feel your feelings is maybe not the place to have a <laughs> breakdown. Like some people do and that's okay. Yeah. But you know, that for most totally. of us, we don't, we don't want that. And, Mm -hmm. but that feeling of sadness that you may have felt immediately come up Mm -hmm. in the grocery store, you might not even know why you feel it, but it's there. It needs a place. It needs, it needs time and it needs a place to unfold. And so we can learn to create and carve out these containment spaces where we actually allow ourselves to feel what we feel. And so what I, what I explained to people is, um, first of all, I don't know. Is this okay if I go into no, this? this? Is great. Yeah. This okay. Is great. Yeah. So first of all, uh, let's destigmatize feelings. Mm. We place, unfortunately, place value judgments on feelings. So when I cry or if I'm sad, it means mm-hmm. I'm weak. You cannot disrupt um, processing yeah. any more than stopping yourself before it even starts. Uh, the reality is, is that we are not free in mm. our feelings. We don't choose them. And so they cannot possibly say anything about our character because you you cannot say, I'm going to feel sad in this moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have done that. I've watched Fox yeah. and the Hound to get a good cry because <laughs> I needed it. <laughs> but, but for most of us, right? Like when we feel anger, it's not mm-hmm. because we've consciously chosen in that moment that yeah. I am going to feel anger. What we are free in is choosing what to do with our feelings. And this is where we can exercise that, that freedom, that choice. And so it's not that we want to put value judgments on our feelings, but our feelings do point to what we value. Hmm. So for example, instead of saying, I'm a weak person because I'm crying. Well, actually you're crying because you lost something valuable to you, something Hmm. that you loved. And it's so appropriate to be sad about that Mm -hmm. that actually only speaks to how valuable that thing was that was lost Yeah. or anger. Anger is so appropriate when somebody violates our boundaries. If, if somebody has harmed you or crossed a boundary, 
you know, to feel anger, that just tells us, hey, a value here got violated. And Mm -hmm. then we decide what we're going to do with it. Um, So it's, yeah, I just want to dispel that myth that it says anything wrong about people's character to feel feelings. No, that's great. Thought about um, the word being present. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you're, you're sharing with us is that we need to be present within what we're feeling and not just overriding it and going to the next thing. Presence is huge. And I think as a, as a society and, and culturally, we're fairly future oriented, mm-hmm. especially when, we, when there's pressure to be productive um, in order to obtain your value. It's about what you're doing and where you're going and the status that you're trying to achieve. And Feeling is not about that. Emotions Mm -hmm. and integrating emotions is about being present and being in the now because feelings are embodied. They're they're physical sensations or physical responses to, you know, your values being realized or violated or lost. And so in that moment, when they come up, we can respond in a very body oriented way, which Mm -hmm. is being present, like you said, is first mm-hmm. noticing. Yeah. So it's like, oh, when I feel anger, like when I personally feel anger, yeah. I get the shiver up my spine. So yeah. I get like ready to, ready to go. Yeah. And I just notice that it's like, okay, so something made me angry. And I know that if I don't attend to that right now, I'm going to bring that with me to the next interaction that I have. Yeah. So it takes um, slowing down, pausing, And this is that containment piece is, you know, going somewhere. So for some people, if you're at home, like sitting on the couch or laying on your bed or sitting on the ground, get somewhere where you can allow your muscles to relax and you can fully sink into the space and you just breathe into that feeling. So she talks about, um, KJ Ramsey in her book talks Mm -hmm. about mindfulness Mm -hmm. and this is what it is. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's not complicated. It just takes dedication, but It, it is pausing, sit down, take in a deep breath, but it's not just that you're going to do deep breathing. If you're like, okay, breathe, breathe for five times and I'm done now. It's like, yeah. no, the point is actually just to notice how the sensation in your body morphs and changes. Mm. So with sadness, when our chest feels really tight mm. and we get a lump in our throat, cause we're trying yeah. not to cry and our eyes start running. Yeah. It's, it's actually being able to sit somewhere and like you breathe into that feeling and just allow the tears to come because they're Mm -hmm. just physiological responses to what you're feeling. We don't need to make them into this thing that they're not. And just to breathe. And what you're doing then is your nervous system is coming back down to homeostasis because that's Mm -hmm. how it happens with breathing. And you're going to start to feel sensations swirling around, tingling, pulsing, throbbing, itching. Mm -hmm. It's all fine. This is your body just metabolizing that Mm -hmm. burst of energy you've had because that's emotions are energy. And you're just bringing yourself back down. And as you sit, you know, she talks a lot about peace Mm -hmm. and that's that's how we get to pieces we breathe into that big flux of emotion and if you need to cry you cry if you want to write while you do that write you know if you need to get a blanket or get water you do that and so this is the care that we provide ourselves so a good principle is like for especially for people who have kids who really understand is like what would you do if your child came to you crying do you tell them like suck it up get Mm -hmm. over it or do you you know, embrace them, give them a hug, yeah. say it's okay. And that's what we do with ourselves. We just you know, sit down. Okay. Get a glass of water, breathe, 
and just calm and just notice the sensation um, and get curious about the physical sensation because it changes and it metabolizes and that's all you do with emotion. And then at that point, if you want to make sense of it and under and integrate Mm, it into your narrative, go ahead, but don't skip, don't skip that physical processing. Yeah. Yeah, it's been interesting that you're saying that even about uh, kids, because uh, with my kids, I feel I've recognized this before because Aaron and I have had this conversation where let's say one of my boys are crying and I go to them and I say, usually if I'm in a rush, I'll kind of brush off what they're feeling and say, kind of, let's, get, let's move on or don't worry or stop crying. And I kind of want them to ignore it because it's making mm-hmm. me feel uncomfortable, I've recognized. Yeah. And wow. so interesting part is Aaron's been saying, well, I think we should actually comfort them in their crying. And so it's been interesting as I've been doing this for the past, uh, I don't know, maybe a month or so is when one of our boys comes crying, even if it doesn't really make sense to me or just me embracing them, yeah. it actually changes, it changes the whole game. It does. And uh, they quiet down quicker. Mm-hmm. I can talk to them. We can figure it out mm-hmm. way better than what it was in the past where I just kind of want to just push it and not being that be present with them in that moment what i've been learning with my kids is that what the things that i'm learning with them i can do with myself i think exactly in your thank you for saying that example with your Mm. son because the we call the closeness chemical oxytocin and that gets released when we have closeness with other people but we can also feel that closeness with ourselves and what we can do with ourselves only helps us do with others. So if we can mm. have empathy for ourselves yes. of like, Hey, Hey, Janelle, I hear you. I'm seeing you right now. You're sad and it's okay to be sad. Then mm. I can go and do that with somebody else. And I mm-hmm. think when we're, we're in spiritual communities or Christian communities, and we're talking about relationship with God and relationship yeah. with people. Well, emotions are an integral part of mm. that relationship because mm-hmm. it allows, that's what creates intimacy. Yeah. I mean, like, laughing with somebody you know when you make eye contact and you're laughing it's like that's a bonding moment the same with crying with somebody this facilitates connection empathy intimacy compassion Mm -hmm. it makes us more human and better able to connect so the more we can do it with ourselves we're way more equipped then to meet other people in their suffering and not have to fix it because we can trust hey we just need to breathe and be in it and it's not going to last forever, but I'm here and I'm with you. Yeah. And that, I think those are the moments that we experience God. That's so cool. I think you're you're talking about how uh, the language of relationships is emotions. Yeah. And I, we, we totally miss that. I think at times we want to kind of skirt over it. As we recognize these emotions uh, within suffering, you know, when we want to resist some of those things, um, either in ourselves or with others, how do we how do we recognize some of those things that are kind of bubbling up? What are some like markers that we would, yeah, know? In my experience, the more people are in relationship to their bodies, the better able they are to detect when somebody else is in emo- is moving into an emotional space, because emotions occur on the level of the body, um, right? When we're when we're no, when we're heartbroken, we actually feel pain in our heart, for example. Mm. Unfortunately, um, there are some elements of our society that has not encouraged people to be in relation with their body. So for example, long work hours where you're encouraged to sit for long periods of time doesn't actually allow us to listen to, am I comfortable? 
Um, do I need movement? Which we do. Mm-hmm. We definitely need movement. Yeah. So I'd say the the first step, again, it's that we're working on relationship with self is just starting to become aware of, of your body. And that can be very basic, like just noticing when you're hungry, mm. noticing when you feel good, like how much sleep you're getting and well, how much sleep do you need? And are you dehydrated? Like, are you drinking enough mm. water? And just starting to, even if you don't make changes, but just becoming aware of like, okay. And I got a text like queuing. I got a text message. So I know when I get a text message, I should also check in with my body and my breathing right now. Do I feel the more that you start to feel your own body, the better you're able to feel what's going on for somebody else. Hmm. The other thing that, um, is, uh, something called mirror neurons, So this is what facilitates empathy. We actually have this really cool capacity where if somebody else is tearing up, if we look at them, most of us will start to feel our eyes get red too. And it's like, oh, it's not my sadness, but I'm sharing in this. Yes. Yes. What it requires is slowing down enough to look somebody in the eye Mm. and see what's going on. Most people, when they they feel uncomfortable, it's, it's because they don't immediately know how to fix it. Mm. So we need to let mm. go of the fact that we are yeah. we are not here to fix other people's problems. That that is a big uh maybe a controversial statement, but we aren't. And if you've ever been in a conversation where you just want to talk and someone keeps giving solutions and it's not like it's just not helpful, that's not very often unless somebody specifically mm. asks for advice. It's not very often that advice giving and fixing is the most necessary thing. Mm. So it's also just building tolerance to not knowing what to do and that that's okay. It's, it's okay. Just sit and breathe in the moment. You're like, I don't know what to do. And I'm freaking, or I, you know, I'm uncomfortable is to just breathe into that discomfort and just be, mm-hmm. I remember when I was learning to be a therapist, yeah. I, I was like in my practicum brand new yeah. and I had my clipboard cause I was going in with a plan. Yeah. And I, supervisor rips the clipboard out of my hands. And she's like, you will not be an effective therapist. If you just don't know, if you don't know how to just be with a client, you need to go in there and just listen to what she's Mm. saying and actually listen. And that, I mean, people always say, well, I'm not a therapist, but it's like, okay, being a therapist is just, you're just really human. That's really all it is. I just learned how to listen really, really well, which is something that we all can do. And so it's rip that your clipboard out of your own hands and just say, okay, like, I can admit that I don't know what to do and that's okay. And I'm just going to listen and, mm -hmm, and, and tell me more and ask questions, just ask questions. Like, how is that for you? Can I support you in any way? Mm. Um, Yeah. You know, and, and allow people to tell you what they need, but most often it's honestly just the feeling of being understood in people's suffering. That is the most helpful. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's really good. And I love how you're talking about being just, again, uh, relationship with your body. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird, the, like the language, but it does yeah. make sense how we have disconnected some parts of our relationship with our body. Um, yeah. I think a lot of our, oh, I think for sure, and in myself, a lot of my relationship is with my, is with my mind. Yeah, um, that's such a deep-seated issue that we think Rene Descartes, a philosopher for, because he kind of created this mind body split, um, that, that many of us operate out of, you know, the mind, the heart and the body are all constructs that we've created. Everything though exists 
in yeah. the body. Like our mind is, that's what I tell when working with clients and they talk about thoughts and they want to separate thoughts from body, but what are thoughts? Mm-hmm. But you know, neural pathways that are being fired in your mind right now. And it's not to reduce the mystery because there's so much mystery in the body. And I I love the language of soul and, and speaking about that. But ultimately we experience and we relate to the world. We relate to other people. We relate to our environments because of our bodies. And without a body, there would not be relationship. Such a beautiful thing to be able to speak to. Actually, our bodies are mediating a pretty profound experience with people on a day-to-day in their daily lives and and with God. Yeah. What were some tips that you can suggest for us for facing emotion? Challenge slash invite yourself to lay down any preconceived notions Hmm. about what emotions mean. So like I started with that, what if crying didn't mean you're weak? So to try and try and set those aside, slow down. When you Mm -hmm. feel an emotion come up, the goal is not to move to the next thing. Like I'm Mm -hmm. too busy. I got to do dishes. Yeah. It's like, actually the most important thing right now is to just feel what you feel. And it never lasts as long as people think Mm -hmm. sometimes if I start crying, I'm going to cry forever. Not very often do people cry and cry and cry and cry for hours and hours and hours. And so just take a couple minutes, Mm -hmm. sit down and just check in and just start with a physical sensation. Like before you even, you don't even have to name the emotion, but just what's going on. Do I feel tightness in my chest? Okay. I'm just going to relax my shoulders, drop my shoulders away from my ears. And I'm just going to breathe into my chest and just notice how the sensation changes, moves, does it stay the same? And then just start checking in with other areas of your body and just imagine that breath kind of, this is mindfulness, just imagine that breath going mm. all throughout your body and relaxing and just releasing. So essentially what we do when we're f- afraid of suffering is we almost yeah. like fortify ourselves against it. We tense our muscles yes. to try and stuff it down. Yeah. Do the opposite, which mm. is essentially relax your muscles and allow it to flow and in doing so, in providing compassion, providing that time, providing that space, you're creating the container, okay? It's like creating a waterbed for that river to flow. Wow. You know, it's not that emotion, it's going to go unruly and you're going to be in this hurricane. If you actually offer yourself some compassion and give yourself some time mm. and just let it move, it will change, it will shift, it will morph. And if it's grief, it's if it's ongoing grief, for example, like you've lost the death of someone or just there's an ongoing loss in your life, Mm -hmm. this will probably happen more often for you. So it's not that there's not emotion that we feel repeatedly at certain like dark nights of the soul. There are certain times where we're just in it and we have to attend to it a lot. Um, Also something to, to note is that some people are awoken in the middle of the night. Like if you if you can't sleep or you find your sleep is disrupted and you're just laying awake at like 2, 3 a.m., I do invite uh, you to try something out of just starting to breathe deeply and relax your body and just see and check in, like, am I upset about something? Like, Mm. is something weighing heavily on me? 
because if we're too busy in our lives, that emotion kind of knock, 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 knocks, like wants to come and wants to be processed. Mm. Um, And what I mean by that is just just our body wants to work it through, just doesn't want to hold on to it. And this is where we start to experience like digestive issues or random physical ailments that don't make any sense is that's just like body holding on and accumulating that, that stress. Mm. Processing emotions is basically very similar to a lot of wellness practices, which is breathing and relaxing your muscles and getting out of your own way and -hmm. just like having your own back of like, I'm here with me to feel this and to see this, you know, and and if it is scary, because especially if you never do it. Um, yeah, you can pray like that is when you can start mm-hmm. having conversations with God or what have you. It's just, I think I like what she highlighted. Just don't get too cognitive about it. Mm. Don't get too cognitive. You don't have to make sense of it. You, yeah. It's okay to not know. Just yeah. feel it. We've complicated it too much. We have. And, uh, and trying to solve everything. Absolutely. And I think as well, um, this is what therapists are for is mm-hmm. because if there is major things going on and sometimes we don't even understand the weight or the gravity of what we're experiencing, yeah. our bodies and our feelings are experiencing it, but we haven't cognitively pieced together that it's a, kind of a big deal. Yeah. So sometimes if you're feeling like a lot of motion is coming up and you don't know how to make sense of it, it can be really helpful to go see a therapist and say like, I don't know what this is about because that's kind of our job is to, you know, reflect and mirror and dialogue Mm. with you to come to a place where it's like, oh, I can integrate Mm. my mind, heart, and my body are all speaking the same thing, or they're all in communication and relationship with one another. And so, yeah, counseling can help with that or a good mentor, like you said, like a mentor being present um, to find and connect with people who are good at the language of emotion because they certainly exist. Yeah. Oh, that's for sure. I know we're kind of coming to the end of, of our conversation, but do you provide any services that would help us understand some of this, uh, of these emotions that we're feeling? So we love to yeah. facilitate, you know, Wellwood. And I think there's other counseling agencies in the city that would love to have an opportunity to make these connections and and to bridge the gap as well to come in and say, okay, let's do like a workshop. Let's yeah. let's do groups. Let's sit with one another and just practice being together. Because it, it does, it totally takes practice being yeah. in, and really listening, yeah. really listening is very radical. Mm-hmm. It is not as common as we like to believe is to truly set aside one's own assumptions, opinions, one's own inner voice to actually mm-hmm. hear what the other person is saying is it, it does take practice. And so it's certainly something that we're open to provide. But if there's people in your community who are very good at that, then, you know, it's, it's to have to create safe space where, you know, you can get together in groups and um, support one another with a commitment that we do not fix. Mm. Um, This is just more of like allowing us to be together or to lament in our suffering or to just sit in silence together. And like, you know, I know with COVID it's, it's a bit different. I was going to say, you know, like hold hands or just like (laughs) shoulder to shoulder, like just to be with another human being, but that's probably not Mm. the thing right now. (laughs) Eventually, maybe one day we can get back to that. But um, yeah, just that physical presence of like, I see you, I'm just present here with you in it Um, to practice that is it's huge. I don't know if that answers your yeah, question. That's for sure. Yeah. That uh, for sure answers my questions. I also know you have a podcast that you mentioned earlier in the episode yeah. and um, I'll be uh, posting a link to that in our, uh, in our notes 
uh, so people can connect with you that way. Yeah. If people want to connect with you and do some counseling, how can they do that? Yeah, um, you can visit our website at www.wellwoodcounseling.com. Well is with two L's, wood with two O's, and counseling yeah. with two L's. So not the American spelling of counseling. <laughs> Um, and fill out an intake form there. So they have a form you can fill it. It goes into our general email account. And then you can specify who you'd like to see, but you also don't have to. And we can just assess who would be a good fit. There's three of us that work there, Ben, Megan, and I. And, and so one of us will gladly take work with you. Um, and if we're not a good fit, because sometimes we're not, then we'll mm -hmm. be sure to refer you or work with you to identify maybe who would be. So Counseling, it can be daunting to try and yeah. find the right therapist. Mm -hmm. And so we mm -hmm. just are very committed to making sure that you get a good fit, if not with one of us, with someone. That's great. Well, thanks so much for uh, being a part of uh, this episode on emotion and suffering. And uh, Anya, I really appreciate you uh, spending some time and sharing those things with us. So thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Hope you enjoyed the interview. And before we wrap up, Janelle shared lots of great insights and ways of how we can recognize when we are resisting emotion and a few tips on how to deal with our emotion. And Ramsey also mentions how we can view our emotion. At the end of this chapter, she says this, that weariness is the place where Jesus stretches out his hand and allows us to move into the good reality of the story and that he is God and we are not. See, God is not inviting us to cognitively understand why we are experiencing loss. He's inviting us to know and understand he is our father. At the very end of the chapter, Ramsey finishes off by saying this, gently turning towards the thing that you most fear, knowing God has already turned towards it with love and acceptance, will be the continuous reversal that defrauds suffering in the power to disrupt, diminish, and defeat you. This quote has so much power because it tells me that I am not alone in my emotion, that when I turn towards my emotion, God is also turned to my emotion, and that I am able to embrace the emotion with Jesus, with love and acceptance with him. And that how he wants me to grow from my emotions within pain and suffering. Well, this wraps up our episode on emotion with pain and suffering. I want to encourage you to check out the Hub book series on the Hub. And if you have any questions or comments, uh, please leave them at the bottom of the Hub post page. Well, that's it for now. And so have a great day. Mm -hmm.